Blog Talk Radio. of weigh-in sports talk i'm your host brian tarvin and this is not our regularly regularly normally scheduled show we usually do wednesday and sunday but tonight is thursday we had to miss last night so i couldn't imagine not coming at least for a few moments and just talking about this tournament coming up the final four is saturday probably one of the most anticipated final four matchups that that i can remember back to the Duke UNLV Kansas North Carolina days. It's been a long time since we've seen one of that magnitude. Well, this one, I mean, has four powerhouses in basketball: Wisconsin, Kentucky, in the main semifinal; Florida, UConn. I mean, some of the best. Three of those teams have won national championships in the recent, not too near past here. So Wisconsin's the only one, but they've been a consistent basketball team over the years with Bo Ryan. So excited to talk about them tonight and actually preview the games and and predict them. Hey, I'm going to go as far as picking my winner. And the brackets so far away in sports, uh, we have our results. Brian Tarvin, your host, myself, will be the winner. Mathematically, it's not possible for me to be caught, but it was a, it was a good bracket. A lot of good people in here. It was close, but at the end of the day, I'm going to end up winning it. Jason Minson right now is second place. Jonathan Miklos third. Wally Judah fourth. Kai Davis, Paul Ewing, Chris Smelly, Trey Patterson, the co-host, is ninth. And Stephen All is tenth. So, we, I mean, it, it was close. It's not like just a, a runaway in this bracket, but there's a lot of a lot of good people in it, but it's hard to predict these things. You have to have a little luck involved. Some skill, mostly luck to win these, and so I'm happy I won. I'd rather be lucky than good. My finals that I predicted, Wisconsin versus Florida, and Florida plays for wins it all, but, you know, that's before the tournament starts. I had Wisconsin beating Michigan in the Final Four, but now Kentucky has moved into that place instead of Michigan in the Final Four. So we'll have to just see tonight if I, if I venture out and pick Kentucky, and this is a Kentucky team. Sorry, I had to get some water. Um, this is a Kentucky team that I've been pumping all year long. And, and you know, people call me crazy, but I did have that feeling that Kentucky was going to learn to play together by the end of the year. And once they got into the tournament, you know, it was going to be unfair for some teams, especially Wichita State with the number one seed played an eighth-seeded Kentucky in the second round. Do you think that's fair? I don't. But Kentucky with a one-loss, one-point loss in the SEC championship to Florida should not have been a number eight, a number five at the worst. So Wichita State is one of those teams that really got shafted early in that tournament. A very good basketball team. Wichita State can beat anybody left in this tournament, but they won't get a chance to because they lost their first game of the season in technically the third round of the tournament. So we're going to talk tonight about the the UConn Huskies, a team that that really surprised everyone. And if you you had UConn making the Final Four, please give us a call. 
I want to know. I want to hear from you. I want to get a polygraph on air. I looked on ESPN, and a few people did have UConn, but but of course they were UConn homers, so it's not like they strategically planned this out. Um, it's just a team that came out of nowhere. Kentucky, an eight seed, they didn't come out of nowhere. They were talented. I don't think anybody is surprised. You shouldn't be. To see Kentucky sitting where they are, Wisconsin, to me, is no surprise. I thought they were better than Arizona. They deserved a one seed. You know, they beat Arizona like I predicted, and, and here we are. Florida, of course, nothing else to be said. But right now, the NIT championship on for, for people that, that need their basketball fix just started the second half. Minnesota, the one seed, playing SMU, the other one seed, and Minnesota leads 30-27, to 27, just turned the ball over SMU with the ball. I predicted SMU to win tonight over Minnesota, and for the most part, my NIT bracket looks good. I did have Minnesota and SMU in the finals in that one, so let's see if I can win this championship. And not only are we going to talk some basketball tonight, we're going to talk some NFL football, college football. And one thing I want to talk about in college football tonight before Cuervo and Sonny get on is Florida State Seminoles in football, they're going to be investigated for their handling in the Winston case when, you know, on campus he was accused of raping a student. And the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Civil Rights has opened an investigation into Florida State's handling of the sexual assault allegations against quarterback Jameis Winston and this is according to USA Today Sports. And to give you a little details, Florida State student says she was raped by Winston in December of 2012. Deadspin.com reported Thursday that school officials met with Winston in January to discuss the matter, but the school might have violated federal law by delaying its investigation and meeting with Winston alone, despite legal advice to the contrary. So this, what it really says is no matter, if you're on campus, I mean, it's real bad. I mean, it's not like a court of law. It's actually a little tougher when you start talking about on campus. But you have to treat every student, regardless, athlete, valedictorian, whatever, the same. Well, Florida State was winning some football games and had a great shot at a national championship. And I think, honestly, and I... I've talked about this before. I, I really think they handled it wrong because they didn't want to lose Winston. And it's, sometimes it's hard to prove rape, but you have to be able to handle it by the rules and regulations set forth by the law. And, and not only could they, they get in some bad trouble, they could lose funding, federal funding, and that that would be terrible if that happened. You don't have to worry about giving Heisman back, national championship back. You have to worry about, even been able to fund your school. And this is this is not good. And it says, if a complaint of sexual violence involved a student athlete, the school must follow its standard procedures for resolving sexual violence complaints. Winston, who won the Heisman Trophy in the week after learning, he would not face charges. Um, I wonder what he's thinking right now. I mean, he's got to play another uh, year at least in college before he can go to the NFL, but I think sometimes schools, they, they value winning more than they do, just integrity, honesty, following the law. Because I'm telling you, if Florida State was a mediocre team, Winston probably wouldn't be playing right now. And he has to go in front of the board, the school committee, and they never even did that. 
and they decide Winston's fate as well. And then after that, it could go to the courts and everything. But if he was suspended out of school, kicked out of school, he wouldn't be able to play football. And this is this is not looking good for Florida State. And I know I wish Trey Patterson was with me right now. Jonathan Meeklos, one of these big Florida State supporters, could call in right now six four six seven one six five five six four and let me know their thoughts on this. I know. I want to hear whether they're going to speak with their mind or with their heart because I, I know it sucks when stuff comes out about your team. I mean, I'm, I'm an Auburn fan, and it does. But when you start talking about rape, I don't care what team it is. I, I start listening, and I wouldn't be a homer now. Smoking a little weed or something, you know, that's one thing to people. I could care less what they do as long as they win football games. But when you start taking advantage of the weak, the innocent, and – and you, you bullying them, rape them, whatever, that's when we have to draw the line, people. So Jimbo Fisher, Florida State officials, if, and I'm not saying it did, if something happened and you handled it wrong, then you should pay dearly. You should you should not even be able to play football for years. And Jimbo Fisher, you shouldn't even have a job anymore. And, and I, again, I'm saying if, if this happened. And I'm not saying it did. I wasn't there. I don't know. We'll let the – the investigators decide, we'll let them decide the fate. But you do not cover up something like this to win. And it, it just makes me think of Sandusky and Penn State, how these guys worship the man. They worship football. They worship Joe Paterno. And under his on his watch, under his nose, the raping of children was happening. And it just it just makes me sick when we value something more than the, the life of a human being, especially children and women. It's just terrible where we are today. But if this happens and if it comes out Florida State, I hope you get the death penalty. But, again, I don't know what happened. And I want to stress that. I'm not on here hating on Florida State, but come on. Let's, I mean, if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it probably is a duck. So I wanted to throw that out there. And also in the NFL we'll talk about Deshaun Jackson, the Philadelphia Eagles parted ways with him and, you know, it was mainly due to, they say, gang, gang affiliations, you know, back when he was a kid in high school running around with some gangs. And I know he does some kind of rap or, or something else part of the company. But is that the reason the Eagles let him go? And you keep Riley on your team, a racist that, that come out on the air. He got caught on tape making some racist comments, but that's okay, I guess. But Deshaun Jackson loses his job, really, and I think they use that as an excuse. But my question to the listeners out there is, should he still be an eagle? Would he even want to be an eagle if that's their mindset? Because, you know, Colin Coward said it on ESPN. You know, he was from the, he was from that neighborhood. He, he grew up with these guys, and they all had each other's back. And you just don't turn your back on, on your friends and, and your family and people that grew up with you. I mean, you don't hang out with them all the time and do what they do, but you don't turn your back on them. And if that's affiliation, then so be it. Again, we don't know what Deshaun Jackson does in his off time. But I'm here to tell you there's more going on with Philadelphia besides that. I just I find it hard to believe that that's the only reason that, that they would get rid of him like that. So if you'd like to call in and talk about anything tonight, hey, Feel free, be my guest. I'd love to have you tonight. Like I said, I'm by myself. 
Trey Patterson had some other things going on. And, again, this is not a regular scheduled night. And, you know, baseball has started up. And, and it's not making much noise, except I can tell you one thing. The New York Yankees are 0-2. CC Sabathia got killed his first time out. And, and, hold on, they're losing. They're not losing to the Red Sox, Tampa Bay, the Angels, the Rangers. They're losing to the Houston Astros. So, Right now, the standings, Toronto 2-1 and one in the East with a stranglehold on that division right now, right? The Red Sox 1-1. One one. Detroit, no surprise here, is 2-0. Oh. Chicago's 2-1 behind them. No surprise in that division right now. Houston 2-0 and oh in the West. Seattle 3-0. and oh. That could be the surprise right now. Los Angeles 0-3. Oh Texas 2-1. and one. Oakland 1-2. One in the NL East, Washington 3-0, and oh, the team I predicted to win this division. Over my Atlanta Braves, two and one. Miami's three and one. The Mets, zero and three. Philadelphia, one and two. And in the Central, Pittsburgh, two and one. St. Louis, two and one. And in the West, the Dodgers, four and one. San Francisco, three and one. I don't think you're going to see much change in that. Now, early in the season, I know it's early in the season, but when I look at the NL West, I see the Dodgers and San Fran first and second, and that's what I expect. I don't think Arizona is going to have it this year. I don't think Colorado or San Diego. It's a two-team race there in the Central. I think it's a two-team race with St. Louis and Cincinnati in the East. The same thing, Washington and Atlanta. Most of these divisions are two-team races. Whoever can get hot, get the better pitching, and stay injury-free will be the teams to survive and make it to the postseason. But there's not much going on in the bottom half of divisions too much, unless you're in the NL Central maybe. Uh, but the, the East, the Mets are, are turning back to their old ways, it looks like, again. I mean, already out of the gate 0-3. And, and they're not 0-3 on the road. They're 0-3 at home. And the Atlanta Braves, they're 2-1, but they're 2-1 on the road. Washington's 3-0. They're 3-0 on the road. Teams early, the Braves and the Nationals are winning on the road early where you have the Mets faltering at home. So that makes a difference. If you start out at home 0-3, you have some serious problems. You go on the road and split a road series, that's fine. It's early in the season. But you don't want to get behind three games already and you're only three games into the season. That's, that's kind of overwhelming. I know baseball is a long, long season, but I don't see the Mets going on four, five, six-game winning streaks all the time. And that's why these first few games for them are very important. So I'll keep my eyes on the New York Mets because I, I heard a lot of fans out there bragging about them this year, talking about how great they were going to be this year, how they were going to turn it around. But, look, the Mets are going to be the Mets. They suck. The Yankees suck. They're 0-2 right now. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if they lost tonight to Houston and go 0-3. Uh, the Yankees are terrible. They have no ace pitchers. They they have no pitching staff to me that – they can match up with Detroit in a, in a seven-game series. They can't match up with, with teams like that. When you're playing Texas, when you're playing Anaheim or L.A., you're playing Tampa Bay and Boston in playoffs, Detroit, you have to have an ace pitcher because you're going to be pitching against their ace three times in a seven-game series if you go the full seven. And there's no way you can tell me that the, that the Yankees are going to come out and beat teams in the East with the way with the way their pitching staff is right now. And just a quick update: fourteen fifty left in the second half. SMU has claimed the lead, thirty-eight to thirty-six over Minnesota. So the SMU Saints are coming back in Madison Square Garden. This is a good basketball team, guys. That that really got left out of the main tournament. They should have gotten in the tournament, but. 
this is a team I think could have made the Sweet 16 easy. And how they got left out, I'm sorry. They beat UConn twice, I believe. They beat Cincinnati. I think they beat Louisville, if I'm not mistaken. So they beat some good teams. But, yes, they got left out. So not understanding that. Minnesota's another team I thought should have made the tournament. They're in the championship game right now, these two teams. And I know a lot of people make fun of the NIT and they just talk about, well, you didn't make the big tournament. But the NIT is a very competitive tournament. There's a lot of pride in this game right here. SMU tied up now with Minnesota 38, all with 14 minutes left in the game. Just a great great two teams right here playing. And people out there hating on the NIT, come on, man. This is good basketball right here. I don't care what, you're, what you say. Madison Square Garden, championship night. It doesn't compare to what, what's about to take place Saturday and Monday, but it'll get you ready. It'll get you, it'll, it'll get you, it'll, it'll, I guess, curb that, that taste you have, that, that itch, scratch that itch you have for college basketball, because it seems like forever ago, Sunday, Kentucky, Kentucky won that game. So this week has been crawling by all the way up to this weekend. So I'm ready for some basketball. Six o'clock, Florida, Connecticut play. And at 9 o'clock, I believe, Kentucky and Wisconsin play. And one thing about the championship game on Monday is at 9, I think it starts at 9, 10 Eastern. That's very late for a tip-off. Here on the East Coast, it's, it's late. I'll have to stay up late that night to watch that game, but I wouldn't miss it for the world. And let's talk about it right now. We're not going to have too long of a show tonight, but uh, I was hoping Cuervo, Sonny, someone would call in and, and talk with me. It's hard to talk by yourself, but I, I enjoy it sometimes. It's a good break. I mean, usually, usually it's me and Trey arguing the whole time, or but, you know, Trey's a great co-host. I miss him tonight. So wish he was back. And real quick in the NFL draft, is 34 days away. 23 hours, 41 minutes, and 41 seconds to be exact. And the big question is, who's going to be number one overall? Will Houston take Clowney first? Will they take Johnny Manziel? Will they trade down that pick? I guess that's a big question tonight, asking out there. Who do you think is going to go number one? I think Clowney is going to be the number one pick in the draft and everybody. I, I just I have no doubt that, that Jadavion Clowney is going to be the number one overall pick, and he deserves it. The guy's a freak. You don't see this every draft you go to. You don't see. You can take a quarterback and and take a chance on him, but there's no risk taking Clowney. You know what you're going to get. And Paul Ewing being a Florida fan out there, if you want to call in and talk some basketball, call in right now, 646-716-5564. We're about to start the tournament. Trying to pull my bracket up real quick so I can talk about the road traveled for all of these teams right quick. Four teams remain in this lovely tournament. And, this, guys, this has been the best tournament I've seen. This has been, I mean, in my recent memory, and I'm sure when I was a kid maybe there was one better. But, I mean, just what what a, what a tournament. I mean, it's just been perfect right now just seeing everything, the way it's, it's shaped out. And you have an a underdog UConn team getting hot coming out of nowhere, but, but let's talk about the road traveled. We'll start with the Florida Gators, the number one overall seed. And when I look at the four teams that's in here, Florida's had the easiest road, and maybe maybe that should be the case since they are the number one overall seed. But I'm going to tell you, Florida had some luck because, you know, some teams lost in this, you know, Kansas lost, Syracuse lost, 
and that that really helped pave the way. In the first matchup, they played Albany, didn't look hot. The next round, they played Pittsburgh, the nine seed, and and it was close the majority of the game. But Florida was always in control. Sweet 16 round, they beat UCLA, the four seed. That was a great basketball game. But after that, they played Dayton, a Dayton team that was hot, upset some major teams in the tournament. But they couldn't match the athleticism and experience of of Florida. Let's be real. So Florida, really to me, a team that hasn't been tested in this tournament. Now let's go to UConn, a UConn team that was a seven seed in the tournament. Played St. Joe's the first game, beat them, took care of Villanova, started getting the attention of people. And then they played an Iowa State team without their best player, took care of business there. And then they played Michigan State this past Sunday. And, wow, they beat Michigan State, a favorite in most people's brackets, to to make the Final Four. So if you look at that bracket, I mean, I'm not saying it's too much tougher than, than Florida's because Florida did play UCLA a four seed, but they beat a, a 10, a two. Villanova's no two seed to me. And then they beat a three in Iowa State. So I'm going to say Connecticut's was a little stronger. I wouldn't go out there and say it was a lot stronger, but it was close. Now the next part of the bracket was the teams that earned it to get there. And we'll start with the West with Wisconsin, the number two seed. They played American the first round. We weren't expecting much out of that game. But the next round they played a, a very good Oregon Ducks team, a seven seed, that was up 15 points on Wisconsin in the first half. Wisconsin took control in the second half and took over the game and won. In the Sweet 16 matchup, Baylor, a sixth seed, got hot and destroyed Nebraska and Creighton, but they cooled off over that week. And the zone defense of of Baylor just could could not stop Wisconsin. Wisconsin made it look like a clinic, uh, the way they carved Baylor up. But then all of a sudden, Saturday night, one of the best games of the tournament, Wisconsin and Arizona, it was a slugfest between one and two to see who was going to get to Texas. And Wisconsin won a controversial call at the end of that game, but it was the right call in my opinion. Wisconsin escaped that game with a one-point victory, and here they are in the Final Four. And let me brag a little bit out there. I did pick Wisconsin in the Final Four and actually in the championship. So we'll move on to the Midwest, and this was uh, – Kentucky Wildcats division, where they were the eighth seed, where Wichita State was the one. You had defending champion Louisville as a four. You had uh, the defending runner-up Michigan as a two. You had Duke as a three. I mean, this bracket was loaded. And, I mean, if you had to put $1,000 in Kentucky, would come out of that, you'd be a rich man. But Kentucky's road, first game against the ninth seed Kansas State Wildcats, it was a good game. The, the Kentucky controlled the glass. They played defense. They won it. They they survived until that Saturday when they played number one Wichita State. You talk about probably the game of the tournament. Wichita State Kentucky was a shootout. It was it had everything. It had teamwork, defense, coaching. I mean, it was a, a heavyweight fight, punch for punch. Kentucky survived. They hit some big shots at the end, and you know what? They upset the Wichita State Shockers. I mean, was it a shocker? Not to me it wasn't because I had Kentucky advancing past this one. And what that did was set the stage for an eight-versus-four matchup with their arch-rival Louisville Cardinal here. And Rick Pitino and Calipari, people thought Louisville would win that game. But if you look at Calipari's head-to-head record against uh, 
Rick Pitino, it was what eight and one, something like that, I believe. And Kentucky got behind eighteen to five early in that game. Calipari called about three timeouts in the first five minutes of the game, settled his team down. And that's when the defense set in. Louisville couldn't hit the shots. Kentucky was dominating the glass. They were tougher than Louisville that day, and they advanced on. And, you know, Michigan's a team that they played in the next round, the number two seed, the team I had coming out of this whole bracket um, in the Midwest. But Michigan's a very good basketball team. Kentucky took care of business there. And all of a sudden, they, they're in the final four. And, you know, I had Wisconsin beating Michigan, making it to the finals, but now we have Wisconsin-Kentucky in this in this bracket. And I've been preaching Kentucky all year long. And and do you really think I'm going to pick against them now? I mean, do you think I'm going to pick against them? This is a coin toss for me. I think Wisconsin is a team that can frustrate Kentucky, the freshman. They have a seven-foot center out there that can knock it down all day long. They play fundamentally sound on both sides of the ball. But at the end of the day, I'm going to have to go with the Kentucky Wildcats with the talent they have, the teamwork that they're playing with. You you just can't deny them right now. They didn't come this far to lose in the Final Four, I don't think. The confidence is as high as it's ever been. And I just don't think Wisconsin has the athletes to be able to, to beat Kentucky. At the end of the day, talent wins, and especially when they're playing as a team together. So I'm going to go with Kentucky in this semifinal. The next game, Florida-Connecticut. Connecticut's a good basketball team with good guard play. But at the end of the day, Florida doesn't turn the ball over. And that's where Michigan State screwed up and lost that game. They turned the ball over. I think, honestly, they took them for granted. I really do believe they they took UConn for granted, and, and that's where they came in right here. So Florida will not turn the ball over with their experience, with their leadership. Billy Donovan's probably one of the best coaches in the game. And, you know, Florida-Kentucky rematch. And I just want to talk about that before we go. Florida-Kentucky rematch Monday night for the championship. This is – these are two teams that have played three times this year. Florida won big in Florida. They won in Kentucky. And then in the SEC championship in Atlanta, they won by one point. But that game, that SEC championship game where Kentucky lost, really set the stage for them starting to come together in this tournament. So I think – and we'll talk about this Sunday night, but right now, on a Thursday night before the tournament, if Kentucky plays Florida in the championship, Kentucky will beat Florida. They will be holding that trophy up at the end. And what's going to suck for Florida is you beat somebody three out of four times and you lose to them in the championship and and they hold the trophy. That's what's going to be the problem right there, and I think that's going to be what's hard to digest. You have a Florida team that made three straight Elite Eights going into this year, now they made four, but the difference is they didn't lose this one. They made it to the final four. It's going to be very hard to beat Florida, but I want to break this down more on Sunday night. But tonight I wanted to give you a quick show. Since we missed Wednesday, I don't want to get in trouble with Blog Talk Radio. So here we are, and I really enjoy talking to you guys for about a half an hour. Sunday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. We may come at 8 Eastern. I'll keep you updated. Um, make sure you join us. We're going to have a two-hour show. We're going to talk a lot of baseball, a lot of basketball. We're going to talk college and NFL football. So make sure you join us Sunday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. So have a great week, and we'll see you Sunday. Enjoy the Final Four.